0: This ain't for the money, this is for the love This is sweating through my shirt before the sun's up Thought that I was shook, sure. thought that I would stop But now I got him waiting for the other shoot to drop Oh, I'm a flame burning bold in a world that's so cold I'm just getting started
2: Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Discourse on the Playlist Podcast Network, the show where we discuss film and television reviews, news, and any topic currently in the film zeitgeist that we feel the need to weigh in on. I'm Ryan Oliver, and today I have not one, not two, but three amazing guests with me, because we are going to discuss Fast and Furious Presents colon Hobbs and Shaw, and as most of you know, when it comes to the Fast and Furious franchise... It's all about family, so we had to have a family of awesome critics here for this episode. Uh, first off, he's the editor-in-chief of 812 Film Reviews and the contributor for Mediaversity, Robert Daniels. Welcome to the Discourse.
0: Thanks for having me.
2: Well, thank you for coming on. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, second, she's the editorial lead of Adam Insider on Adam Tickets, Alicia Grosso. Thank you for coming on to the Discourse today as well.
1: Thanks. I'm kind of second-guessing it after the whole family pun thing sort of
2: <laughs> <laughs> there's gonna be all kinds of bad jokes in this episode so i, 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 I apologize yeah uh, apologies in advance you you may regret it but nonetheless very happy to have you on uh and finally he's the host of FilmSpeak and the host of the fourth wall podcast here on the playlist podcast network griffin schiller welcome back to the discourse podcast
3: hey man thanks for having me uh i hopefully won't make uh car puns that that's that's my goal for this episode is to not make car puns that's it's gonna be difficult but we'll 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 see if we can get through this well fortunately this
2: one i mean not to bury the lead too much but there isn't really any street racing in this movie so true we we might actually be able to get past it without car puns but we will see Uh, but yes we're all here for hobbs and shaw we're all in our Hanes cotton tank tops, we're drinking Coronas, and we're going to get into it. Uh, But before we do, a couple of housekeeping items. Um, This show is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, so if you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe to us via your podcatcher of choice, be it iTunes, be it Stitcher, be it Anchor FM, Spotify, and you'll get this show as well as our other programs, including The Fourth Wall, Indie Beats, and the other interviews that pop up on our feed from time to time but let's just get straight into it. Um, the fast and furious franchise has certainly come a long way from starting in 2001 as a point break with street racing melodrama, and then almost becoming a straight to DVD series with Tokyo drift. And then before taking its current form, probably starting with fast five as a sort of blue collar mixture of ocean's heist movie and mission impossible insane action. Um, Hobbs and Shaw is the first spinoff from the main franchise and gives a spotlight to Dwayne Johnson's Luke Hobbs and Jason Statham's Deckard Shaw. Uh, Both played supporting roles in the last four films in Johnson's case and the last two in Statham's. Uh, Their sort of rival banter between them in uh, the fate of the furious while it was brief must've been enough for universal to see potential in their own story. So with that, I have a couple questions for you guys up front. Robert, we'll start with you. Um, What is your history with the Fast and Furious franchise, um, did the Hobbs and Shaw movie do enough to sort of differentiate, differentiate itself to to warrant being a spin off and overall, what did you think of the movie?
0: Um so yeah, I'm not really a car person, so when the Fast and Furious first started in O one, like I was not remotely into it. Um I didn't get into it until the I guess the newest iteration the, the Mission Impossible inspired from from the fifth part onward. Um So the closest connection I have with it is probably when Paul Walker died um, and that tragedy happened. And then at that point, I started rewatching some of them uh, because I'd only thought about it maybe vicariously. You know, when most of the Fast and the was going on, I was in high school, which seemed like a perfect time to get into it. But I just was like, I was never really with that crowd. Um, Whether Hobbs and Shaw should exist. I mean, personally, I was lukewarm on it. Um, I just didn't think the action sequences were as great. I didn't think the, there, there obviously aren't as many chase sequences and the ones that are there, I thought were the sh- how they shot it was pretty herky-jerky, um, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, um, especially the editing. Um, but whether it deserves to exist, I mean, I think there's enough witty banter between, quote-unquote witty banner between <laughs> um, uh, Statham and, and The Rock to make it worth it.
2: Oh, nice! And uh, Alicia, I'll move on to you. Um, same same questions. Your relationship with the series and how you felt with about Hobbs and Shaw overall.
1: Yeah, um, I watched the first two movies, and you know had a lot of fun with them. Um, I admit, like Tokyo Drift, like the next few movies, I kind of fell off of because that they came out right around the time. Um, that I was in grad school and for the 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 years I was in grad school I kind of fell off of movies in general um I I only saw a few in theaters just because my entire life was studying and working um and then I kind of picked up again with uh I think probably like uh there were like I think I missed the third the fourth and the fifth um but from the sixth and the like I've seen so I missed the ones in the middle um, so I don't have a huge, like, deep connection to them. They've just always kind of been around, I feel like, since, like, my college years. Um, but I will say that Hobbs and Shaw felt very different. It had some threads to the Fast and Furious world. You know, there was especially, like, the scene where they're flipping uh, with the, what is it, the, the, um, the nitrous, like, amping the cars up and stuff. Okay. And I was like, okay, like that's okay. That's a very fast and furious and like the chop shop, like that all was kind of a tie back to it, but it definitely felt like enough of its own thing and lean way more into kind of like the corny, like over the top humor than the other fast and furious movies to really be its own thing.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. That it, it, it definitely leans hard into comedy more than the others, um, which I think we definitely get into more. um, Certainly agree um and then Griffin to you your same question uh your relationship with the series and uh what do you think of this movie
3: yeah so um i mean like i i have watched all of the films and i guess you can say like i quote unquote grew up watching them i was i was never like like it's not my favorite franchise out there but it's like nice cheap thrills i guess you can say cuz i'll go see them i'll I'll have a good time with them but then when it comes to rewatching them i'm never one to want to rewatch them, I guess you could say like, and, and even some of the bad ones, like, uh, like Tokyo drift, I still find enough enjoyment in there, even though it's just ridiculous, stupid stuff. Um, and like, you know, too fast, too furious is, kind of the same for me but um, yeah the the franchise as a, as a whole I think we can all agree kind of got better starting with Fast Five and moving onward and for me what works about it is like the more ridiculous and absurd it gets the more fun I kind of have with it so that's kind of why uh, I, I like loved the Fate of the Furious because I, I it completely doubled down on everything ridiculous about the franchise I mean we got the Rock redirecting a torpedo that's still like one of my favorite things in the entire <laughs> Their franchise just because of how ridiculous that is and so they they kind of took that and then they brought it in to Hobbs and Shaw but they they like kind of took the chains off a little bit they allowed David Leach to go uh as crazy as he wanted and I think as a result the movie is a good bit of fun I I think it's a little too long and kind of struggles pacing wise, but like I could watch scenes of, you know, The Rock and Jason Statham basically insulting each other for like the entirety of that film's runtime because that their chemistry is really what like sold me on the film as a whole. And then even like the new additions, Vanessa Kirby and Idris Elba, I thought really held their own and you know, Idris Elba elevated an otherwise bland character, Vanessa Kirby uh was like the voice of reason between the two meatheads. And so like it was it was all just It was fun stuff where it kind of lost it for me was in the third act uh, when they go to Samoa, because that's when it stopped being this just kind of like ridiculous, schlocky popcorn film and like tried to take itself a little too seriously. Um, You know, granted, we get a great action sequence out of it, but. I, as a whole, I, I, I think I, there's a good bit of fun to be had with it. It's not my favorite in the franchise, but I do want to see more Hobbs and Shaw films just because I kind of like the direction they're going with it. It's like this weird else world man from uncle kind of thing. And I, I, yeah, it's, it's a fun time.
2: Well, nice. I, I, I think I, I definitely agree with a, a fair amount of the positives that, that everyone's thrown around and probably all of the negatives that's been thrown around <laughs> uh, cuz i i do agree that the action is pretty herky jerky i think that was maybe the, one of the more disappointing aspects of the movie um g- given uh david leach's uh you know credits before with the first john wick movie and even deadpool 2 had some pretty
1: mm-hmm.
2: stellar action sequences to it
1: oh but you kind of have to wonder which which john wick director it was or resp- that was responsible for all of that
3: Yeah,
2: Yeah.
1: that's
3: exactly the kind of thing I had. I was like, oh, Stahelski's the one who really, like, had a lock on the action there.
1: But the thing is, like, there's also a difference between, like, when you think about it, there's a difference between hand-to-hand combat and big stunt, like, big spectacle stunts. Yeah. The hand-to-hand combat was good. I mean, that was solid. You know, there were quite a few Mm -hmm. fight sequences, and, like, that's where he excels as a director. But it's in the... But you didn't really see a lot of the big, like ridiculous stunt sequences and two of the action sequences like extended ones they were both car chases
2: yeah
1: so mm-hmm. it was like okay like it just wasn't like the big action sequences just weren't quite as inventive as you've and and maybe it's because they were a little bit more grounded than well, you in other yeah. you know fantastic or in other um i almost said fantastic furious <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, Fast Furious movies
3: um I, I if I can kind of go off of that because i I do agree with you saying the the action was grounded um and i thought i I actually quite enjoyed the action in this film because I thought there was like a nice practicality to it like he kind of brought his stunt background in there and like yeah, there's definitely some some iffy-ish uh, CG going on, but like the, I mean, the helicopter sequence in the third act, I, I think is a great example of a, of a nice blend between the practical and the CG. And it really worked on selling me uh, just on kind of what, what was going on as it progressed. And then the McLaren chase, I thought was a lot of fun too. And while, yeah, it's not as, I, I guess, um, inventive as say like the submarine one from fate of the furious, or even like the, the parachuting cars, I th- Thought it's it, 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 it depicted action in a different way than what we've seen from this franchise before. And so, for like that alone, I appreciated it.
0: Yeah, I, well, I wasn't, um, the McLaren sequence was the one that I hated the most because I just, it, it felt like it was two different editing styles. It felt like I was watching John Wick editing and then Fast and the Furious editing, where these, you know, these close-ups to car parts and stuff like that but like when they do the close-ups it takes you out of the chase sequences it feels like
3: mm. yeah actually that's a good point yeah because the, the, there was like some some iffy like effects work there for sure
0: yeah I and, well, I
3: and the editing styles yeah
2: yeah i was gonna say i wasn't crazy about that sequence either but i did i did like the one at the end um but i did want to <laughs> mention um I, I guess i don't want to do, do tour too much away from the action sequences but um another thing i think you mentioned griffin is pacing that was a big thing in this movie mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> like, uh, uh, my I, I took a plus one who I think we've seen like the last three or so Fast and Furious movies together. I just moved back to this side of the mountain, so I took him as my plus one of the screening. And I think it was like right before they go to Samoa. He's like, "Don't they go to Samoa in this movie?" Like, <laughs> the <over> in this <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And I was like, "Oh yeah, there's still a whole nother act left in this thing." Um, and and the, the I I also wanted to bring up the sort of, like, leaning into comedy um, in this movie, whereas, like, that's completely subjective. It's either going to work for you or it doesn't. Um, The banter didn't work so much for me, which is totally okay. But the one thing I noticed that the other movies have never done, and, and maybe it's Leech, again, using some of that stuff from Deadpool 2 that he worked on, but there's a weird, like, self-referential, referential thing in this movie. Like, very Deadpool-esque humor that the other films haven't handed. There ha- too
1: much of Reynolds.
2: Yes, <laughs> I, yes, yes. I didn't need
1: to see Deadpool. I didn't need to see Ryan Reynolds being literally himself in the middle of like it took me out of the movie.
2: Me too. That's see. That's what that th- that threw me off. And then there's an, another actor who shows up, which I guess we could. It's probably common knowledge at this point, right? To say who they are. Like, it, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler.
3: I mean, we already yeah, we already mentioned Ryan Reynolds, so I might as yeah. well do the other know. one. Yeah, I guess the other <laughs> one is
2: Kevin Hart. And yeah. so it's just like that one took me out of the movie too, where it's just like. Yeah, just just really distracting cameos. Like it, 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 like the one thing about the other movies is, as goofy and over the top and melodramatic as they are, there's like a weird sense—not a weird sense, but like a a sense of earnestness to them. That even though they're goofy, that they like, there's enough. They take themselves seriously enough to make you interested. But then you know you kind of enjoy the craziness. And this movie kind of didn't like you said griffin it didn't take itself seriously until it did and so there was like yeah. a weird imbalance with this one that it, i haven't really seen very
1: much this very much felt like a movie where the actors ran the director not the other way around
3: yes yeah and Yes.
2: like yeah.
1: david uh david Leitch. david leach he he's not he doesn't come from a comedy background so quite a bit of the like extended like comedic sequences where they were like shit talking oops sorry can i swear yes you can <laughs> okay. like, talking to each other they just lasted too long like the sequence where Locke shows up you know and just Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds that lasted too long like there were like too many of the sequences and the gags just just lingered too long and that to me was kind of the sign of a director that's not used to working in comedy and doesn't have that comedic rhythm and timing and like editing down yet um, and quite a bit of that you could absolutely tell like I was reading something like the Rock, Vin Diesel, and Jason Statham, all of them have like things in their contracts, and I could be wrong about this, but like they never want to lose a fight.
3: Yes, yeah, I, I wanted like, to bring that up. Like,
2: yeah. You know that?
1: yeah. Two, there's also the whole extended Samoa sequence, and it's like, that's a really cool, like, that could have been a cool sequence, but it absolutely felt like a different movie, because, you know, The Rock is like, tribute to his family and everything, and his roots and his culture, and that's great, but it didn't, like, that tone did not fit, it was almost like they tried, like, remember, like, oh, yeah, this is technically a Fast and Furious movie. We should probably try to root this in family somehow. And so it just felt, and let me tell you, seeing it in 4DX the second time, it felt like an even longer movie.
3: Oh, no. I can't even imagine. Oh, my God.
1: So it just, like, it was a very interesting movie where I feel like this movie was absolutely run by the actors, not the director, and I don't know that the director had enough, and he's a very good director, doing me wrong, but I don't know that he has enough, uh, experience in like the areas in which the movie tried to lean into to be able to like control the worst impulses and to be able to edit down. I just don't, I just didn't see that with this movie.
3: No. Yeah. For... Oh, go ahead. Oh, Oh. well, I was just going to say, no, I, I, I agree with that too, because like the, first of all, uh, Dwayne Johnson is a producer on this film. So he like already kind of has a bigger say in it. And then on top of that, this has been like something that he's been trying to get off the ground for a long time. And so it, that the the notion of the actors kind of running the show here makes a lot more sense especially with that factored in um the 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 thing i wanted to say about the the ending stuff where they kind of like shoehorn in the message of the film was like it like that last confrontation before like brixton eats it uh he's (laughs) he's like saying it's like we don't we don't believe in machines man we believe in people and i'm like where was this message the entire film like you, it, they 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 just verbally explained it to you in in this like <laughs> this kind of overly melodramatic sequence. So I just I don't know. That was like one of the big uh, cringy laugh out loud moments for me.
2: Oh yeah, certainly. And and I did want to go back to that actors dictating the the flow of the movie just for a second cause, um and and not to like keep referencing another movie, but I, I keep going back to Deadpool two here because I feel like like I wasn't Ryan Reynolds is like a producer and co-writer on that movie. Right. So I feel like there was maybe, maybe a sort of, um, you know, faith in, because he, no you know, he understands that character. So they kind of let him do whatever. And so maybe there was that approach, like, like Alicia said that, um, that the approach to make this movie what it needs to be just isn't there so there was like a faith from maybe the last movie being like okay the actors got this but then yeah scenes go on too long they're 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 improv they feel improv anyway like a apatow movie like they just let the camera roll and never hit cut um and and it it definitely just it, it pads the movie out for sure
1: it's the I'm gag of them, like, being alpha males going at it lasts a little bit too long. Like, it was funny, the first couple scenes, you're like, oh, okay, crass humor. They're making fun of, like, the typical, stereotypical, like, alpha macho man. But the scene where Vanessa Kirby, where Hattie looks at them and she starts walking away and they're like, where are you going? And she was like, basically, she's like, I don't have time for your alpha male bullshit. Like, I'm going to go do my own thing. Like, that scene is when they should have dropped it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, a, yeah. Yeah.
1: Going And then so the, the very end, like they're literally antagonistic the entire movie until like the third act. And all of a sudden then he's like calling him brother. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <Brother>? <laughs> <You're> like, <"Well, laughs> on a plane like three hours ago. So it, yeah, the third act just felt very tonally different than the first two, which was like a slapstick comedy action. And it worked that way. So it was like, it needed to commit to one tone or the other, mm-hmm. not
2: both. Yeah, it was like a Roadrunner cartoon through like most of it <laughs> until, until it wasn't.
0: Well, I was thinking about like it's when you see the YouTube channels where like you see two people and they're supposed to, you know, roast each other, trying to make sure the other one doesn't laugh. You know what I mean? Like they're, it's like almost a competition of who doesn't laugh. And sometimes the acting felt like that, especially The Rock, yeah. some of his deliveries. Like it didn't. And for me, in terms of trusting the actors for the character, I didn't think for a second, that The Rock was playing Hobbs. I, th- I thought he was just playing himself for the most... Even having seen the previous Fast and Furious and seeing Shaw and Hobbs interact with each other. Um, especially when Art showed up. The second... Oh, this is a regular Rock Kevin Hart film. He's just playing that same character, except he has the name Hobbs in this one.
2: Yeah, that's I noticed that too. Like even Even there's a difference, his performance here, than there is in like... Furious seven and fate of the furious. Like there, mm-hmm. there's a very like stoic sort of seriousness. There's definitely humor there, but like the character just felt really different. Like they, like they fit it to do what they were trying to do with this movie instead of the other way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like there was another thing I wanted to bring up. I did. Uh, and Alicia you already hinted at it, that wall street journal article that came out about uh, the actors, of the movie, not wanting to like get, not wanting to get hurt, but didn't want to appear weak on screen, um, which is is
1: it's like I get that. Like if you make your if you make your living being like the tough guy, then then yeah, like that's your brand. Okay, I get it.
2: Right, but <laughs> it's so strange because like I mean, I guess it's because it's perceived as them. Number one, they're not the ones taking the punches; they got their stunt doubles, and and two, it just like I that, and I feel like that's a big problem with this movie is just like the tensionlessness. Like there's no real tension to it, um, mainly because it's, for the most part, wall-to-wall action, and a lot of it's pretty spotty, and so there's not really any room for any of that to really sink in. It just sort of just happens, and you know, that like, okay, they're probably going to be fine by the end of this. Um, It
1: was was very uneven, too, because, like, Idris Elba did a really good job with what he had. Like, I think he did a very good job... Yeah. In that role, like I think uh-huh. Griffin, you were saying earlier that it could have been a very two dimensional character. And I feel like he imbued it with some, you know, some more emotion and, and nuance than you, you would have thought. Yeah. But like he literally spends the entire movie. They call him Black Superman twice. <laughs> <they turn> <laughs> he's more than human. And like the first couple of interactions they have with him, he destroys them like utterly annihilates them. And then at the very end, they're like, oh, if we just work together and punch them at the same time, all of a sudden, like <laughs> you throw one punch and he goes down. Are you kidding me? Like, it was just a very, it was very conveniently. The whole third act was like very, it was an act of convenience. It was very much like, I was like, okay, so you're, I'm supposed to buy this like Terminator dude who's relentless and destroyed both of you. You land one punch, and he goes down like a sack of potatoes, and then you give him a couple of kicks, and all of a sudden he's, like, malfunctioning? What? Yes. Like, (laughs) so, yeah, I was very, like, oh, okay, sure.
2: I wanted to bring up, like, Mm -hmm. convenience a lot, and specifically in that third act, because I felt similarly with that sequence, and then there's also um when vanessa kirby's character takes the um the the poison the the virus out of her oh the very beginning well no not the very beginning but like towards or the very beginning of the third act like she gets oh oh, you
3: mean when she she when they extract it from her yes when
2: they extract it excuse me when they're extracting it and it's got 30 it's like 30 minute countdown yeah. Um, which is number one the longest 30 minutes in the world and then secondly she hacks their guns because they're accessible by like fingerprints and only uh Selva's team can use them so they hack them to sort of even the playing field and like at that point in most action movies you'd have like a sense of stake of one that's gonna one those are gonna turn back on so you know you have this much time to do what you need to do And then Idris Elba looks at his one, like, head gun, and he's like, when do the guns go back online? And he's like, I don't know. And then, like, then then they fire on in the midst of that car chase just so they could have, like, their little traps that they set slam a car into it. Like, just to up the stake for that one second and then have a big, like, kind of, oh, shit moment happen, which is cool. It looks cool, but there's just, it's this convenience and so much, like, lack of stake
1: well there was that one scene the one moment where um like so the countdown starts and then they're like oh shoot they're coming like they're here the alarm's have been triggered and then there's that whole like sequence where they both have like the touching you know reconciliations and everything and then it moves to like them driving in and getting there and then the battle breaks out it's go it's raging for a while and then it flips cuts to the scene of uh, hattie and and Shaw, like, fighting together, and she, like, gets knocked down, and she's like, is it working? Is it working? And they look, and it says, like, 21-something. I'm like, are you – mean? you mean to tell me only eight minutes and something has passed? <laughs> like, there's no, like, come on. Like, there's no – like, literally the sun came up from the time that you started the <laughs> mechanism to, like, now. It's, like, 10 o'clock in the morning. Like, what the – like, no. Okay. So, yeah. So, a lot of the timing was very – and then, like, they, they crash – in the the helicopter but it's back to nighttime and i'm like how the hell does time work in samoa like- <laughs> yeah I, I,
3: the, 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 when when they crash in, it's like nighttime i just kind of like took that as like a tropical storm less so like uh like a like a legitimate change in like like daytime or something like that um but i i i i, I think that kind of points to a larger problem i have with the uh with the third act in particular is because it's like, they're trying to be more earnest with it. They're trying to do like the, the, the typical fast and furious stuff, but it's still like sprinkling in those elements from the first two halves and they're not blending together. And so like it, like this, the third act is this weird, like tonally contradictory, like amalgamation of just shit. And so it doesn't really work in that regard. And then the movie just kind of like ends, you know, and like it just it's just like, well, we saved the day. Like it felt it felt like the ending to like one of one of like the Sean Connery yeah. Bond films, you know. Like it was just like, yeah. well, that's it.
1: Well, but there's a mystery a guy. Now we're supposed to apparently like be waiting for that somebody from Hobbs's past.
2: Oh yeah, was there? Uh, I mean, I guess maybe I could put a spoiler tag. Did anybody stay like till the end? End credits? Because I yeah. I, Oh, is it? Was there any reveal as to who that is, or anything?
1: No, no. no. So the end credits was so there's like there's almost like weird what's like almost like three end credits sequences. Like there's the one where it's like they come to see Helen Mirren together, and then there's the other one that I literally don't remember, and then there's like another one that it's Locke, it's Ryan Reynolds' character, and he's. Like he runs through a door, he's like shooting. Some there's like shooting, and like he's like covered in blood, and he like runs through a door, and like barricades the door behind him. He's at some government facility, and he calls up Hobbs, and he's like, "Hey, buddy," uh, and it, like Hobbs is like, "What the hell's going on?" I hear like gunfire in the background. He's like, "Nothing." nothing it's fine we're fine we have the virus contained but now there's another worse virus he literally <laughs> yeah. says the line you know how that one liquefied your insides this one liquefies your outsides and I'm just like, <laughs> and he's like like just like sloss off like how do you put it? he's like like it's like wet oh i can't remember how he puts it but very ryan reynolds line i'm just like okay see this isn't working for me either lean all the way into this humor where, like, you don't take any of this seriously or lean into the earnestness of the Fast and Furious franchise. You can't have it both ways. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's, so, that's I the mean,
1: second. They are clearly aiming for a sequel and its own spin off franchise with this, but I this one's only done what, like $80 million, made like $160, 160 worldwide? Uh,
0: 180 right now.
1: 108. But it has, like, but it's, but its budget was, production budget was what, like $200 million? Yeah, it was yeah so-
0: 200. Yeah.
1: Like, it's going to have to go a long way to make it up. And I can see why audiences, well, first off, it always, you know, it doesn't have like the whole Fast and Furious cast. But at the same time, like, it's just not as, it doesn't know what it is. The, the Fast and the Furious movies know exactly what they are. This movie doesn't really know what it wants to be yet. I feel
2: like yeah that's that's pretty much where I come down on the movie too where it's just a really like kind of tonal whiplash of a movie like it it doesn't know it reminded me it actually reminded me a lot of the Shane Black the Predator movie from last year where it's like okay are you trying to be like a Predator movie or are you trying to like poke fun at the tropes of these movies like you can't have it both ways you got to do one or the other Um, and that's, yeah, that's pretty much where I imagine, like, how I feel about this movie. Um, yeah, you're right, it did 180 million worldwide, only 60 million domestically, though, so it's a pretty soft launch for the Fast and Furious series, um, and it is crazy it costs that much, because, like, those, that's, I want to say, either the same or more than what the entire ensemble movies cost, so I, I don't i'm not sure where the money went i guess on on this one
1: Uh, i can guess (laughs) yeah right
2: (laughs) i mean i guess it's fair that's fair i i I think that's a fair assumption um but
1: there's a whole third act based where it was (laughs)
2: right yeah Yeah, that's that's a valid that's a valid point
3: well, I, I'm I'm curious. Would you guys want to see uh, David Leitch return for the sequel, or do you, would you want to see them get someone else who maybe had could could put more of a directorial stamp on it? I guess.
2: I mean, it's hard um, to say because I, number one, if if someone has a certain stamp, I don't want them to sort of. And not that I think this would be beneath anybody or anyway, but just like, you know, use their, utilize their sort of utility belt elsewhere instead of a Fast and Furious movie. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair I, enough. I feel like because like, you know, with Dwayne Johnson in this movie and then heavily Vin Diesel in the other movies and it's, it's, they've gotten really good filmmakers, but it's, it's kind of like almost deliberate that there's journeyman filmmakers doing these movies like Justin Lin or, or F. Gary Gray, where it's like, they're, they're very good craftsmen. They can get it in on time um but they will also like sort of do what the actors or in this case actors slash producers want to have in the movie so i don't know i i number one i don't even know if i'd want a sequel to this movie period but if a sequel did happen um i mean probably just somebody who can who can balance the tone i would say like the action is some of it's really really great in this movie like do not get me wrong but it's uh you know, if there's not much anything, uh, if there's nothing anchoring it, then, then it's just kind of cool stuff to look at, and that's about it.
1: Like I liked the movie; I had fun. I was never bored. I had a lot of fun. I thought Vanessa Kirby was phenomenal. I liked Idris Alba, Like, and like each separate element was fun. It was just together, it didn't really make a cohesive movie. So I can't say I was bored. Like I would watch another one of these movies for sure, um, but it has to commit to, like, what it wants to be. And I feel like what it needs to be is kind of just the first two acts, like, over-the-top, like, comedy, like, action comedy. Mm -hmm. Like, if you want to do a separate franchise, then do a separate franchise, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think if you're going to do a separate franchise, then I would want a director to put their own stamp on that franchise just so that it has its own character. Um, I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be difficult to do that with if you have a lot of journeymen coming in. Because, I mean, we've already talked about the Fast and the Furious kind of changing different styles from the first th- four, three or four, and then the next, like, four this to five, was- and then
1: I went like like six to seven, eight. When they realized, like, oh, we need to get the whole family back together. And then that was the fifth one where, uh, like, everybody was back together.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it was. Well, it was the fourth one actually, where they all came
3: back, and then the
2: fifth well, one. That,
1: but that was. But Vin Diesel was still missing from that one, wasn't he? Or no, for,
3: no, 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 not, he, In the fourth he, one, yeah, yeah, that, they were back. all back there. Yeah. yeah, it was like it was
2: like. Uh, yeah, too fast. Didn't have Vin Diesel, but had Paul Walker. That's right. Okay, that's and then, right. That's- yeah, and then Tokyo had. Well, I, Paul or Vin Diesel did show up in a cameo, I believe, in Tokyo yeah. Drift. Right. Yeah.
1: Okay, I was I was off by one movie. Yeah.
2: Yeah, And then they all came back for four, and then they threw the rock into five, and that's when it became sort of the... Because the fourth one is like, it's okay, but it's pretty, like, self-serious. <laughs> like Yeah, very, it's, very, it's a little... Yeah. <laughs> very self-serious. Sure. And then and then the fifth one, it's like, it's a good lead-in to, like, where these movies are now, and what people enjoy about them. But, um... Like, so I guess it's, like, necessary, but it's very plot-heavy and very kind of convoluted. I yeah.
1: so have to consider, too, like you bring like it it kind of is funny like I was looking at Statham and like The Rock fighting and I was like how much of this is lifted from The Rock and Vin Diesel like just in real life and like Vin Diesel tends to take himself a little bit more seriously and it works for him. The Rock generally does not take himself seriously like that's his strength and like he's very good at like self-deprecating humor you know or like kind of being the butt of the joke like he has good comedic timing Vin Diesel not so much and so it kind of feels very much like it felt like that franchise was too big to contain both of them because when The Rock came in then it kind of started getting more like The Rock and so it was almost inevitable that he needed to branch off into his own franchise but it still feels like it wants to be too much like The Fast and Furious like parent franchise lean into the dumb humor lean into the comedy the rock is the only actor on earth that can walk into a scene and say i'm what you call a nice cold can of whoop ass and like you're like yes this is what i'm here (laughs) for because of course it's the rock (laughs) of course he's gonna say that line because he knows it's cheesy and you know it's cheesy but that's the joke he's in on it and i yeah so i don't know i'm not sure i was going with that
3: no, but I I think that's a good point and that's like the way they need to differentiate the the two franchises and it was really like the third act that where they weren't able to but I kind of going back a little bit Robert I I agree with you because I I think that they do need to bring in someone who can put a stamp on this and like solidify it as like a buddy comedy. Bring in someone like a Shane Black who can who is like has a proven ch- track record of this sort of thing um and if he's not going to do the nice guys 2 anytime soon, why not kind of like work him into this and, and he can bring that that sort of like that that fast dialogue those quippy sensibilities and in, in like great um you know character exploration into this sort of movie uh so that's kind of, that that I, I think like if you if you got Shane Black to do like another Hobbs and Shaw film like oh my god sign me up like yesterday that sounds incredible
2: yeah I would I would really I mean I would just like somebody to do something to differentiate it because I, I think the thing we keep coming back to is that all the family stuff here you're like your parent franchise does this this was your shot to do something different like you didn't have to do it but then again <laughs> you know that's why those movies make a billion plus dollars too it's like people like that theme i think around the world um and then you have like an incredibly charismatic diverse cast also um, mm-hmm. so I think that, that plays heavily into it, but it's, it's just like, again, you're, you're different. You do something different. Um, I do want to go back. Oh, go ahead.
3: Or I was just gonna, one, one last thing on that, to, just to give them like a little bit of credit. I did appreciate how like, the, like them tackling family this time around was a little bit different than what we've seen in the past. Like they were talking about like estranged family members um, and like repairing like broken relationships like that. And so like, I, I feel like they like, yeah, I mean, they, they, they obviously need to differentiate, but like going a different route with the family kind of like stuff going on there worked a little bit for me and like, you know, can like speak to a different, sort of audience of like people I guess who, who have been in situations like that
2: uh absolutely I mean that would be yeah no I think that's a valid point for sure um one thing I did want to note um and Alicia you pointed out Vanessa Kirby I have three things on that number one I think she's the best performance in this movie oh, yeah. um yeah, like yeah. I think she, she's great she knows exactly what the movie is I think she um I want to spin off of like the Shaw family. Like I yeah. forget yeah. Hobbs. Just yeah. give
1: <laughs> the heist.
2: Yes, just give yeah. give me a movie of Jason Statham Vanessa Kirby and Helen Mirren and I will watch the hell out of that. Like I I actually believed I thought that Statham and Vanessa Kirby had better chemistry as siblings than her and Dwayne Johnson did as supposed love interests. Like I believed they were siblings. As adults, they share this like really like sarcastic sense of humor that I like was one of my favorite things about it. Until the movie flashes back and supposes that they're maybe two years apart uh, when it flashes back to them as children, <laughs> when they're like twenty one years apart in age. So that was that was a moment where I'm like, okay, this movie really doesn't give a fuck, does well, it? a
1: sense of disbelief. Yeah, <laughs> very well, sense of disbelief. <laughs>
2: For sure. But they—they, the, I feel like they sold it. I, I thought their, their chemistry as siblings was like, um, you know, really, really sharp. So I, I enjoyed the very few sort of exchanges they got to have in the movie.
1: I will say like, you know, it's tough because going back before to what we we're saying about, you know, if you want to, you already have the franchise with the family and everything's so like lean into it or like, or do something different, but it's really tough because that's why people go to that fast and furious franchise. That's what holds it together. And, you know, we've seen with the fast and furious franchise itself that it was when it tried to get away from that whole kind of concept of family that like it start, it was bad. Like those were the worst movies. And then they were like, okay, we're going to get the whole original gang back together and get back to that, you know, that, um, theme of family. So it's tough because you want to make something that stands on its own, but it still has to tie back thematically to the original franchise and kind of support the reasons why people, like why it even justifies getting a a spinoff franchise in the first place. So I will say that it is tough, I think, when you're doing a spinoff of a franchise that's already this big to really find that balance. So, I mean, I I think in some ways we have to be maybe a little bit more, um, at least me, maybe that, that reminds me to be maybe a little bit more lenient because it's a tough job to try to balance all of that.
2: Mm -hmm. For sure. And like when you have $200 million at stake too, like you you have to, you have to kind of (laughs) like give into uh, the sort of demands of the series. So that makes complete sense. Um, I, I think the one thing we just, you know, all agree on is like, just, have it tonally make, make sense. Yeah. Um, well, cool. I mean, I think we've, we've covered a lot on, on Hobbs and Shaw. Are there any specific elements that we didn't touch on with this movie? Um, that you, that you guys want to get out there?
0: I just want to point out the, the Hobbs's brother. The, I, in terms of like convenience and ridiculousness is the, the machine that's used to take out the virus from Vanessa Kirby's character. And this machine that exists nowhere else on the planet, somehow the Rocks brothers able to fix it with everything that's within a chop shop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
2: that that goes with the the what we talk about the convenience of the third act and the 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 sort of just who who cares idness of of the, the movie. Yeah, that that moment was pretty ridiculous. Same with their sort of like interpersonal conflict. It, it's like. A, I think it's like Alicia had mentioned about how like, you know, they were bickering on a plane three hours ago and like now Hobbs and Shaw are on the same page. And it's like same with uh, Hobbs and his brother where it's just like, Oh man, I've been so mad at you for over 20 years. Oh, it's okay. We'll just hug it out. That's fine.
1: Bless Cliff Curtis for playing literally any ethnicity, like across the board. Like that man has played. Like, I was like, Oh, like the minute he opens the door, I'm like, Oh, Of course, that's Cliff Curtis playing Jonah, and he's Samoan in this movie. Sure. Okay. (laughs) I'm like, all right, why not? Um, uh, Yeah, so I thought that was kind of funny that I'm like, so a Nobel, like a twice Nobel Prize winning scientists built this extraction machine but your chop shop brother like all due respect i live in santa monica i used to work in venice beach like i like chop shops are everywhere here like it's the west coast it's california like we're the land of chop shops and like custom cars i'm like (laughs) i don't think any one of these guys even the best here would put together this like nobel prize scientist built like machine that appears to just be made of like Plastic parts, like just junk parts. I'm like, oh okay. Like it just I was like, sure, all right. I yeah, I'd buy <laughs> the mechanic brother can put this together. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I I will
3: add one more thing. I want to see Keanu Reeves in the next one because I can't get enough of Keanu Reeves and I want the uh you know, Stahelski and Reeves have had their, you know, uh, uh, bond going on. It's time for David Leach to get his chance to reunite with Keanu Reeves uh, following the first, uh, you know, John Wick. Like he hasn't worked with him since, so let's see him in the sequel. Maybe he's the, you know, evil overlord voice that's like the bad guy of everything. So.
1: I would say no because already having Ryan Reynolds in this movie, oh, shit, <laughs> like it so took me out of it, and and I feel like I feel like Keanu Reeves. I love him, but he is so overhyped right now. That, like, you put him in this movie and you'd be like, oh, it's John Wick. Like, I can't. I already did that with Deadpool. Like, I'm like, oh, it's just Deadpool in the middle of Fast and Furious. He, okay, cool. Just, <laughs> like, I, I don't, I would say keep Keanu Reeves as far away from this as possible. Keep him in the John Wick universe where he can be a mythical being. Do not put him in the middle of the Fast and Furious, like, i just it's like you've already suspended my like disbelief far enough like please don't stretch it further
3: <laughs> oh sir. fair point <laughs> yeah i mean unless we could swap out ryan reynolds with keanu reeves and would maybe maybe go for that no no uh, no, no.
0: <laughs> i would i would just like more of helen mirren she's fantastic <laughs>
1: Yeah, like I want to see them break her out of jail, and they go like they do a heist together. I want the Shaw family all together.
2: Yeah, that's that's all I want. Um, I for sure they like to me they were the, they were the best thing about the movie. I I don't know if the Keanu Reeves thing sounds enticing, but it, it, if he was in the movie, just say hypothetically, we we know he'd almost have to be a villain because um, he'll actually take a punch.
3: Yeah, so, yeah, that's a good so, point. So, so like they
2: they would have to actually cast him as somebody who would have to be taking punches because he's uh, you know, he he'll, he'll actually do it. So, um for sure. Um
1: Courage Griffin with this terrible idea.
3: <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I think a lot of people maybe would could possibly be be interested in more Keanu Reeves. That's just well, kind of what, That's all sense. I'm
1: saying. I mean, I think we've seen the last couple of years People and masses can make very bad decisions. I'm oh, just yeah, that, that is a very valid point.
2: <laughs> <laughs> very true. When's that Sonic movie coming out again? Um,
3: oh, dear.
2: <laughs> anyway. Oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> shots fired. Um, we all
1: got real sad.
2: I know. I just, we, were, we were about to end on a somewhat high note, and I just had to bring everybody down. It's, it's, it's fine. It's what I do. So, it's
3: just, you know, oh, God.
2: Um, but anyway, cool. I think I think we covered pretty much everything about this movie. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah. <laughs> like,
3: <I am laughs> Hobbs and Shawed out. Yes. Oh,
1: question: Who do you guys think? Like, do you guys think we have seen the voice, like the director? Uh, do you think we've seen this person before? Because I will say, in the credits, uh, it had like. Uh, Etienne director, which I assume was the voice, and the name was Chase Nightingale or Chance Nightingale. Uh, and I was like, okay, that seems like a fake name. If ever there was one, right? <laughs> so I'm wondering if, like, I mean, maybe it's a real name, but I feel like it's a fake name that they were using to hide, like, the actual name of whoever did that. Somebody said they thought it was one of my friends said she thought it was Ryan Reynolds, and I'm like, please. I
0: like, yeah. I, I thought that voice sounded just like Ryan Reynolds. It was just distorted. Um, yeah, moments I, where Hobbs it would come, like, it would be less distorted.
1: And it kind of makes sense because he's the one sending Hobbs on all these missions, like right. which. But then I'm just like, oh god, please no. <laughs> like, well, they will, like runs the Fast and Furious. Like, please just don't.
3: Yeah, I I really hope it's not Ryan Reynolds. Um, but I did I did for a minute think that. But then I was like, you know, they've been talking about bringing Han back into the Fast Fast and Furious franchise, and he has like a real vendetta against uh, what was it, Deckard? Uh, because I mean, did, like Deckard technically killed him, and so like, uh, I feel like that's gonna be another personal demon that kind of comes back to haunt uh Deckard Shaw, and it would be a nice way, I guess, to bring Han back into the fast and furious universe. Cause people are like, you know, where, where is Han? Like the, you, you did them so dirty. Let's, let's get him back in here. So uh, that's kind of where my prediction is on that.
2: I, I don't really have a prediction. I was trying to think because it, the, these movies seem to be where like your enemy ultimately becomes your friend and therefore a family. So there's not many enemies left that I can think of that haven't <laughs> sort of joined their side at this point. Um, I thought maybe Charlize Theron's character from Fate of the Furious could be, but I I couldn't think of a good reason as to why, Uh, especially because I believe she's going to be in the upcoming ninth movie as well. So, um, I don't know. That was my guess, but I I don't really have a good, like, concrete reason as to why that that would be it.
1: I will say they've done a pretty good job at, like, redeeming villains in this movie, but it feels like there's so many, like, threads that underlie them that I'm like, oh, okay, so there's this whole backstory of, like, Etienne and, like, Decker... Etienne, how do you pronounce it, and Deckard Shaw, that, like, we are just scratching the surface, and then it seems like the main connection to that has just been killed. Like,
3: right, yeah.
1: yeah off yeah. a cliff. Mm-hmm. He off a cliff, and I'm like, I wanted him to be in this longer. Like, can, I, I? he was one of the most interesting characters in the movie. Like, I want his story. I want, you know, Brixton's story. And then it just kind of seems like... And now Hobbes is involved. Like, there's this whole... I, I don't know, it just got like way, it just feels like there's a like an, uh, a path there they kind of cut too quickly. Because I would have really liked to follow Brixton's story. And But I'm like, hey, who knows, maybe he'll come back from the dead or something. Because it's Fast and Furious and nothing matters.
3: That's yeah. true. They,
2: <laughs> more people come back from the dead in this movie than like, uh, you know, the Marvel movies. I, I actually think that's probably accurate, now that I think about it. Yeah,
1: It's like Supernatural. Like, literally nobody stays dead in Supernatural. Like, don't get sad. Well, maybe, like, a couple characters, but none of the main characters ever stay dead. Like, they will always come back 110%.
2: Yeah, and that's, like, I think, Griffin, you pointed out with with Han of that character. Like, I'm pretty certain, like, if if that's not his voice, he'll come back in some way,
3: because these characters don't stay dead. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So...
2: Well, cool. I think that, I think we could finally put the button on Hobbs and Shaw and, and put it behind us. Uh, it's currently out in wide release and, um, yeah, if you, if you like our take on it, uh, go see it. If not, then I don't know, we don't make the decisions for you. So, um, (laughs) you, you decide what to do. Um, but cool. That wraps up another episode of the discourse. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on and, 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 uh, Taking the time Sunday night to have this discussion. Um, starting with you, Robert, where can we find more of your work online?
0: So, yeah, you can find my reviews at 8112 Film Reviews. Um, also, you can find my stuff at Mediaversity. This week I have a review coming out for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Luce. Um, so, yeah, I have uh, both of those reviews coming out later this week. Mediaversity uh, basically does diversity reviews, which are reviews of representation within the films. So they're not necessarily straight film criticism. Um, It's more of cultural criticism.
2: Awesome. Well, cool. I look forward to checking those out for sure. And that's on mediaversity.
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Awesome. Uh, And Alicia, where can we find more of your work?
1: Uh, You can find me at adamtickets.com slash movie dash news. That is Adam tickets um, movie and, and know kind of review and, and op-eds and editorial and review site. Um, or yelling on Twitter a lot, <laughs> what I do. <laughs> and,
2: and we all do it. It's, it's, it. I think that's a pretty, pretty, it's a pretty solid thing. Um, and Griffin, uh, where can we find more of your work?
3: Yeah, well, conveniently enough, you can find more of my work on this podcast feed because I uh, host The Fourth Wall, which is my interview show, and I actually just uh, spoke with David Leach. So if you want some more Fast and Furious kind of stuff you can go check out that interview but uh you can also find me on twitter at griff schiller where i'm uh tweeting about putting myself through hell watching both ghost rider films that was a big mistake <laughs> that i made yesterday because i was like are they really as bad as i remembered?" uh spoiler alert they're even worse than i remembered so <laughs> yeah uh you can <laughs> you can find me on there and you can check out my youtube channel uh, uh film speak right I, I put up a uh, video uh reviews and and whatnot so
2: well, nice. It, it, even the crank directors one is still bad. Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. It's 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 like one of those things where like Ghost Rider looks better, but like the movie is, I I don't really know what it is, but. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Man, I haven't seen those movies since they came out. And uh, Godspeed, sir. That's that's yeah. all I'll say. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, before we wrap this episode up, just a little bit more housekeeping. Once again, this show is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network. So if you enjoy this show, be sure to subscribe to us via your podcatcher of choice. Be it iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor FM, however you get your shows. And you'll get this show as well as Griffin's show, The Fourth Wall, uh, Indie Beats, and the other various interviews that pop up on our feed from time to time. Thank you guys again, and thank you listeners, and we'll catch you on the next episode.